okay. Yeah. Did you join?
everybody. Special welcome to you. If you're new, good to see you again. If you're not, like always. So if you'd like to stand with us, we'll take off.
prepare the way until the work on earth is done. Watch as the clouds he rides swing low. Lift up the sound as he makes our praises throne. Good morning. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. I've got a few announcements this morning. First off, who's got their swimsuits, towels, sunglasses, sunscreen ready for tonight? Ooh, Brogan does. We're having a free pool party over at Centennial Park at the pool tonight from 7 to 9. So make sure you come. Bring the grandkids, kids, <coughs> nieces, nephews. We're going to have some food um, and a good old time. And uh, I promise I won't splash too much. <laughs> um, also, today after church, if you're interested in the planning committee, um, planning events, see Rachel afterwards. Uh, they're going to have a meeting and talk about some upcoming events, planning, and uh, some fun times here at the church. Um, next is a volunteer meeting on Sunday, August 15th from six, at 6 p.m. for all current and interested hospitality volunteers. You guys are going to meet down in Fellowship Hall. Again, that's August 15th, Sunday at 6.30. Um, the choir, I thought about singing this one, but I, I thought about, uh, I, I, I don't want to hurt your ears this morning. Um, but the choir would like to invite everyone to the party honoring Attila and Jackie Samu on Sunday, August 21st at 4 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Please RSVP by August 15th by using the sign-up sheet that's located on the table outside the worship center. And the big one, which is coming up, August 22nd, which is a Sunday, from 4 to 7, we're hosting the FCC Kids and Student Ministries a back-to-school bash. We're going to have inflatables, minute-to-win-it type games. Um, I believe we're going to do a pie-eating contest. There'll be some music, food. It'll be a good time just to hang out, <clears throat> prepare the kids, get ready to get those last minutes of fun and excitement, jitters out before they start school. Um, but also Brightside Project will be here. Um, we are going to have raffle baskets and accept donations, but all our proceeds will go to Brightside Project here in Salem. Um, so they'll be here having fun with us. Um, also, something that we are passing out to all the kids are these pencil kits. Um, we need 30 volunteers at least to pick up one of these packets that's located in the studio today and just put them together so that we can pass them out to the kids. But it's basically that this is no ordinary pencil. Um, you know, we, we want you guys to pray as you're putting these together for the kids that they're going to touch. But it's something for the kids to know that somebody's thinking about them, praying about them for all the things that are happening at school, in their lives, but just to let them know that we care. Um, and we're also accepting donations of food and, and raffle baskets, student-oriented. 
so that uh, we can have some fun and, and just be able to brighten the kids' days. Um, also, the last but not least is Sunday, August, I mean Saturday, August 28th. Um, we're having a corn roast here at the church, so come enjoy food, live music. Um, I think Brian's putting a, together a little something special for you. Well, I didn't want to announce it if it wasn't true. We're, but we're going to have a bluegrass band, so good times. Um, so if you're willing and able, we're asking that you bring a desserts for everybody to enjoy. And that's all I have, I think. All right, kids, you guys can go to go to worship.
us. Let's hear you, church. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. The Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. on here. Can you hear me all right? Okay. Did you hear somebody say a little while ago, are your legs working? Anybody hear that? Um, I didn't realize the mic was turned on. I was talking to somebody in the hall, and um, I was just asking after a knee replacement how they were doing. So if you want context, that's the context. But, um, you know, sometimes we hear things, and we're like, what was that all about? And uh, sometimes it's helpful to give you a little bit of a backstory. And I hope that uh, as I do give you a backstory just for that, um, uh, and we're exploring the Gospel of Luke and looking at his story, uh, there is a backstory to that as well. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I'd like to welcome you all today and you guys online. Glad to see you guys. Uh, hope everybody is doing well. Um, I know that uh, things are kind of ramping up for school. And uh, my wife, especially, is getting her classroom ready. I know teachers are doing that, and kids are getting ready to go back and uh, get all of their school supplies and prepare for um, the big return. Uh, and that's pretty exciting. I remember that very nostalgically. Uh, and, um, and I remember uh, very nostalgically uh, graduating high school, thinking, thank you, Lord, that you got me to that place, because only by your grace that I was able to get here in the first place. So um, as uh, we just think about that for a minute, uh, I also want to think about uh, praying for our kids and teachers and administrators and people that right now are uh, uh, hopefully setting the tone for uh, a great year in light of all the ambiguity that's happening uh, with, um, with the pandemic and everything. I uh, just want to keep these guys lifted up that it'll be a better year this year than last year. Um, and uh, as we get into our prayer time, <clears throat> we, we, we know we have people online who are watching, and so we're trying to uh, reiterate uh, any prayer concerns that you may have for them to be praying about as well. Uh, so you guys just, um, uh, just, just hang with us, and, uh, and let's lift up some things in prayer right now, or uh, praises. Anybody have anything that you've brought into the room that's either a burden or a source of great joy? Any, anyone? In? Yeah. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, okay, I just reiterate that a little bit. Uh, Gail Hill, who's been um, uh, a part of this church for a while, uh, has uh, been diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of breast cancer that has metastasized. They've got to go in and, and obviously um, it's, it's a pretty radical response that they're having to do, of course. Uh, so please keep Gail lifted up in your prayers. She's been struggling for so long to get into uh, the RN program and then she got accepted full ride free and then this happened. So it's really heartbreaking for her. Uh, so please keep her lifted up and, and perhaps uh, uh, let her know one form or another uh, that you're thinking about and praying for. And anyone else that we have here that um, we can lift up today. Okay, Paul and Jackie, okay. Anyone else? Okay, Alan Butler, with, uh, who's uh, dealing with uh, prostate cancer, okay. So that's Diane's son, Diane Root's son-in-law. Any others? Yeah, Kathy. Okay, brother Harold in kidney failure. Okay, so Kathy Martin's brother, Harold. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's go ahead and just take uh, this moment and, um, and sanctify it in the Lord as we prepare to meet around the word and to lift these things up before his throne. Would you bow with me? Our Lord, as we begin uh, this first day of the week, we are grateful for... Uh, being with us uh, this summer and helping us as a church to start the process of uh, seeing life emerge again. And we're grateful, Father, for volunteers who have come out and have uh, not only helped out with uh, hospitality and with um, all the aspects of, of getting our church going again, uh, whether it's the youth or our, our praise team, uh, people helping out uh, with the screen and the audio. And we just thank you, Father, for uh, the, the property team and just so many people, Lord, that have been at work behind the scenes making sure that uh, the things that happen and need to happen in this season are happening. And Lord, as we move into the fall and we think about the pos possibility and prospects of uh, people reengaging once again, with uh, all of the aspects of your church, whether it's serving or whether it's being a part of a group or uh, a program that we're doing or an event. We ask, Father, that you would just bless each of these particular initiatives that um, are underway, that they would have a strong sense of dependence upon your spirit as we hope to use uh, each of these fronts to enable your people to connect deeper not only with you, but with each other. And so we just ask that your blessing be upon uh, everything that we are seeking to do in your name and for your purpose and for your glory. We pray, Father, for those who have gathered here who have kids who are getting ready to go back to school, that uh, everything that um, 
in terms of preparation that's necessary can happen and happen in a way that will just get them off to a good start. We pray for your blessing upon our teachers as they are traumatized from the last year, going in uncertain, not knowing exactly what this means. And I just pray that your peace would be upon the teachers in all of our schools around here and that you would just bless the administrators as they try to lead into uncertainty with all the responsibilities that are, are, are pressing in on them, that they would have your wisdom and, and guidance as well. Uh, so we just pray for your blessing upon all these schools that uh, we're connected to, whether it's um, uh, Salem or the, the schools that are on the, on the periphery of, of this community. Uh, please be with them and enable them, Lord. We thank you, Father, that as we lift up people that we care deeply about in prayer, uh, that you are at work, and we just continue to lift up Gail, and we pray that you would encourage her. Lord, she's so disappointed about not only the diagnosis, but also having struggled for so long to get back into her RN program. We just pray, Father, that you would uh, be a comfort and be a source of healing for her. And we pray for Alan, that you would bring healing to him. And, and Harold, who is in kidney failure, we just pray that you would uh, show him your, your presence. And, and Lord, as, uh, as we just lift up uh, the names of these lives, we also think about uh, people in our community who, who are really struggling um, due to um, just circumstances that perhaps haven't been named. But we pray for Jackie and for Paul and anything that they might be going through right now, that you would be uh, a minister of mercy to them. Father, as we just look at uh, one another and we see in the lives of each of us that glimmer of hope that you have given us everything that we need for the journey, despite what is happening in the news and the world around us, you are sovereign over it all. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want to trust you today, Father, more than we trust the voices that we're hearing outside of your kingdom that would tell us uh, that we need to be afraid or we need to be um, anxious or the, we need to worry. Um, clearly, there are aspects of doing our due diligence. But in the end, Father, help us to each rest in you and trust that you are with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And so we thank you, God, that in the form of Jesus, you have presented yourself to each of us in the, in the Gospels that record so dramatically and perhaps in a way that uh, is, is striking how at ground level much you love us and have compassion for us and you want to redeem us and call us into your kingdom. And so I pray for anyone here who has not taken that first step towards you to begin that today. And I just ask that if baptism is, the, is, is, is that step that needs to be taken, that we can move in that direction. If it's moving from just hearing the content online or hearing the content in a sermon to now uh, rolling up our shirt sleeves and beginning to engage in a way that, that we can experience your grace flowing through our lives. Father, help our church to be activated for this moment, for this time such as this. And even as we gather right now, 
Help our hearts and our minds to be tuned to uh, what you are doing as we uh, pray together our Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we're thinking about getting back to school, I know uh, a few people whose kids have transitioned from being passengers in the car to now going to a place where they are behind the wheel. Now, I don't know if you remember that moment in your own career as a driver, or perhaps you're like me the first time when you saw your kids go from being uh, passengers on the school bus to now getting in the car together and driving off to school for the first or second or third or hundredth time. As you look at them, get behind the wheel and pile into the car, you're thinking, oh my goodness, they are not ready. This is scary. I'm so glad that that safety belt that I never wore as a kid is now mandated for them to wear at all times. And I'm so glad that those airbags are installed so just in case, if the unthinkable happens, they will be safe. And there's something about equipping a child who is becoming an adult in that stage of life where you are 16, 17 years of age, and you're saying, okay, now it's your turn. You've been riding in the car long enough. Now it's your turn to drive. And I do remember getting into the back seat of our minivan and letting one of our children drive who had just started to learn how to drive on the faster roads, and they were called to turn down Laughingwell Road from 62, and they never slowed down. And I have to tell you, I've never been in a car on two wheels before, but I have to believe that in that moment, I experienced that for the first time in my life. I didn't know a minivan actually could go on two wheels. But evidently, sometimes things have the potential in them that you never really see coming. And as uh, Jesus is looking at his disciples, he's saying, I see stuff in you that you are not able to see yet. But the only way for that to come out is for me to be front and center in everything that you do. And when I'm not, it's going to be a bumpy road, if not a treacherous road. You know, the first car that I had that I would truly call a car, I mean, I had a Ford Pinto that was given to me, but I don't really tell people that except now it's out. But uh, I, 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 the first car was a Dodge Challenger. Hey, I'll just say it, okay? And when I saw it, it was parked in a guy's front yard, and it was a little rough, but I thought, you know what? If I get that car, I can fix it up, I can go fast, and I can find that girl who will ride in it with me. And I had all of these 
possibilities looming in my mind. And I remember pulling up to the driveway with my dad and then getting in the car, and I looked at the speedometer, and you know what the speedometer said? 160 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, whoa, wouldn't it be cool if this car could go 160 miles an hour? Now, mind you, that's back in the day when 55 was it. Nothing beyond 55 was acceptable in the continental United States. So I'm thinking, okay, 160 and 55. What's wrong with this picture? And I remember my dad saying, well, that car with that engine, you're going to be lucky to go 80. So I'm thinking, why would they put a speedometer that says 160 when, in fact, it's probably never going to go over 55 to begin with? Well, there's something about us that Jesus sees that is potentially much more than we could ever ask or imagine. But the only way for you and I to get there is to have him in our lives. And not only that, to begin to center our lives more around him than anything else, any other priority. And that's a pretty tall order, but yet Jesus is now in that place, as we're going through the story in Luke, where he's handing the keys off to his disciples and essentially saying, it's your turn to drive. And their experience of the driver's ed car a little bit without the driver's ed instructor was described in, in, in the previous chapter where he, or at the beginning of the chapter, where he sends them out and he says, okay, I want you to go to these places and I want you to do the things you've seen me do. And they went and they did and they came back and they said, oh, that was awesome. We never thought that we'd be able to heal and proclaim the word and see people come to you the way we have experienced it. And it was all of that enthusiasm and all of that, uh, I guess, esprit de corps, that sense of we're in this together, that they, they experienced, but they, they started to lose. They started to forget, and it started to break down. And when we read the scripture that we're getting ready to read, it's a story about <clears throat> a situation, a ministry situation, that was pretty common to Jesus, and the disciples had experienced that kind of a ministry situation before and did okay, but now they failed. And I want to explore that as a case study just a little bit with you. So if you have your Bibles with, uh, with you today, or you have a, an app, or you have anything that is digital, or whatever pathway you use to connect with the Word, um, I want to look at Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 48. So here we go. The next day when they came down from the mountain, you remember the mountaintop experience last week, a large crowd met him, and a man in the crown called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and suddenly, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not, okay? But they could not. And here's Jesus' response to that. 
Now imagine following Jesus for a good while and taking note and being excited and very starstruck by just the fact that he is who he is, and it's starting to really increase in the significance of their mind as to what the gravity of the situation is, hanging out with Jesus. Jesus looks at him, and he gives him a pretty stern rebuke. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, mind you, he's looking at his disciples, and he's saying that. So this has got to sting. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Then he says, bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to the father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. So Jesus is actually kind of frustrated Now, they're not going around the corner at the same speed that they're going down the road, but they're essentially not understanding the role that they are called to have in the church. And Jesus is saying, basically, step up your game. Now, I I don't really appreciate it when somebody says to me, step up your game, especially if they're just a, a, a peer. But when God says it or an authority figure says it, it's like, ouch. And they were kind of licking their wounds for a minute. But Jesus got their attention. And he's, he's looking at what just happened, the joy on the face of the father whose only child, and this is the third time an only child has been rescued by the Lord, And then he's looking at his disciples, and they're a little bewildered by what's taking place. And while everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. Do you remember last week? You know, this is my son, whom I love, transfiguration, mountaintop experience. Listen to him. And that word seems to crop up quite a bit in this chapter in a way that if God didn't have your attention before, he's repeating himself enough so that we finally are tuning in to what he has to say. And I want to explore that aspect again in a little bit different way because It not only is a serious matter for those guys to be able to understand their role and their responsibility as they are now given kind of the keys to the car, but God is also saying that to you and I. He's saying we now not only have to listen to the very words of God and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and perhaps listen to what God is saying through the voice of people around us because he's using all of those things in your life right now. And some of you probably aren't even paying attention. And others of you are probably saying, what is it, God, that you would have me do? And the thing about listening is it's like so many faculties that we seem to have. You have to attend to it. You have to calibrate it. 
and you got to focus on something and say that is valuable, that is really important. And so Jesus says, listen to what I'm about to tell you. So we've been on the mountain, and that's one place that we discover Jesus as Lord and Messiah and prophet and prophet like Moses and the voice of God. And now he's going to say something that totally seems to contradict what that experience symbolized. And this is all driver education, by the way. He says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. And so here Jesus is saying, this is not going to end well. When we get to the, to the end of the road here, while I'm here on earth, there's going to be a lot of construction um, uh, uh, warning signs and barricades and things that you wouldn't expect. Because part of this trip involves me doing something that you can't even begin to wrap your mind around. But as we go along, it's going to make more and more sense that the Son of Man has to be handed over, betrayed, and destroyed. Which is not exactly what you think about coming down from the mountain and seeing Jesus appearing with a couple of the greatest biblical characters in the Old Testament you could ever imagine. And so he's going in a strange place, and they're confused. And part of the driver training that Jesus has is helping us to get a handle on how this story is supposed to play out. Because in the end, Jesus will be established as King of Kings and of Lord of Lords, as the ultimate authority over all, as the one who is in charge of it all. And the people that are around him, and, and let's just say underneath his lordship, that would be citizens of his kingdom, us. We're all in this together, hopefully aligned in our thinking and doing things with the right motive and the right intention. But already, it's starting to go south because an argument started among the disciples about who would be the greatest among them. Now, when you're driving down the road, uh, one thing I've noticed is some highways are equipped with something called a rumble strip. Are you familiar with rumble strips? They look like that. And if you ever get a little bit inattentive behind the wheel, and you get over on this part of the road, and it goes, you're like, uh, I probably need to get back over, don't I? I'm being told in a pretty dramatic way that this is uh, not the place to drive your car. Because beyond the rumble strip is what? It's the ditch. Or worse, it could be death. It could end very devastatingly and tragically um, premature for you. The rumble strip is there for a reason. It's there to remind you that you have crossed the line. You've gone beyond the boundary. 
you have essentially put yourself in an unsafe place. And, you know, there's a part of me that says, you know, maybe it's an adventure on the other side of the rumble strip. Like, I could just go off-roading right now. If I had an off-roading vehicle, I could go off the rumble strip, and then I could go, you know, off into uh, who knows where. And I remember passing a semi on my way to Akron one time, and I hit the rumble strip. Why? Because the semi was actually coming over, pushing me against it. Matter of fact, it didn't even see me. And pretty soon, I am in the ditch driving at the speed limit, whatever that was at the time, in my wife's forerunner. And my first thought was, if I wreck this car, I just hope I go with it. Because she won't be very happy that I've ruined her car. But I remember being pushed off the rumble strip and into the ditch and just praying. I literally was praying, Lord, help this to end well. Then I got back on the road and kept on going. But there have been times when the rumble strip actually has told me, Leonard, you're the one making the choice here. And if you keep going in that direction, not only are you going to get hurt, but the people around you are hurt. And of course, this is driving back from Illinois at 2 o'clock in the morning north of Columbus. And I remember thinking, man, everybody's asleep in the car, and if I don't get some coffee, I'm going to be also asleep in the car behind the wheel. I remember hitting the rumble strip, and my wife waking up and saying, what's going on? And I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I was just looking at that thing over there. And, you know, she knows me well enough to know that probably not. But there's something about the rumble strip actually that brings you peace of mind. And that is it tells you that you are in a safe place while you're going down the road. So my wife is driving. So I did get the Dodge Challenger, but the one that I got didn't get the girl like I thought. But I got another one after I got the girl. And now she's driving it between Sioux City, Iowa, and Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. It's about, about 90 miles. And I said, honey, I'm going to just take a nap over here in the passenger seat. I'm just going to let you drive. And if anybody's ever ridden with me, especially my wife will tell you, I'm a horrible passenger. I only wish it was equipped with a passenger side brake when other people are driving. But the fact is, my wife is probably a better driver than I am. Because I fell asleep, and I thought, if we have any issues, I know it'll be because she's going off the road. Not once did I hear the rumble strip. And uh, an hour later, we traveled 90 miles to our destination. You can do the math. And that's probably faster than I drove my car that was supposed to go 160. But she obviously is a better driver than I am, and I'll just put that out there. And as um, we look at the rumble strip, Jesus is saying, you know what I'm hearing, disciples? You guys are getting off course here. You're starting to think in ways that go against what you have been trained in. Because every time you've seen me do a miracle, what have I done? I pray to the Father. I've asked the Father, and the Father has enabled me. 
I haven't done anything in front of you that I haven't first engaged the Father in the process so that I can be empowered and enabled to do the things I'm asked to do. And you see that kind of recorded in Scripture. Yet the disciples seem to have gone to this this, 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 this fellow who is so distraught over the, the demonization of his child, and they just start kind of acting like, we're going to do ministry now, and we're going to make it happen. And the more they tried, the more they failed. And I think Luke wants to point something out here. This failure on their part is actually an indicator that they're not in tune with how it works, how ministry works, how serving God works, how doing anything, whether you're a pastor up here preaching, whether you're engaged in the musical aspect of what we're doing, whether you're helping out with the kids, whether you're helping out with the, the hospitality, whether you're helping out on, on, on property, whether you're helping out in the office, on staff, or wherever, the one thing that I do know is that when it's things that involve ministry for the Lord, there is a way you have to do it. And I think this way gets overlooked a lot. It's the way of depending on God for every part of that experience in faith, trusting that God will work through you to do what you need to do. And when we do anything related to church, whether it's a constructive thing or whether it's a criticism, we do any of those things without depending and trusting and going to the Lord first, we're doing it the wrong way. And that's why Jesus, I think, said, you wicked and perverse generation. I mean, if I heard that, I'd be probably... I'd be curled up in a fetal position thinking, oh, man, just been rejected by the Lord. But it wasn't him rejecting anybody. It was just him saying, do you understand me? Are you listening? Because they clearly were not paying attention. Well, we got one more thing that Jesus is concerned about because when God came to this earth in the form of Jesus, well, he began to upset the order of the way things are. And if you're in the Roman Empire, there is a relationship called the, the, the patron and the client. That is, you have a person who's higher up uh, on the food chain, and just show like Caesar's organizational chart, okay? So at the top is Caesar, and then you've got senators, and then you've got the equestrian, and then you've got aristocracy, and then you have uh, merchants and soldiers and manual laborers, freed slaves, slaves, and then I'll put at the very bottom, children. And at each rung, when if, if you were above somebody else on the rung, you would believe heart and soul that that person wasn't really as much of a person as you are. You'd believe heart and soul that they were actually worth less in, in, in their entire humanity. You'd believe heart and soul that they were... They were in that spot because, well, they're second class, third class, fourth class. Either way, they're just inferior on all fronts, inferior human being, inferior, inferior 
class, inferior in terms of intelligence, inferior in terms of capability, and the posture was, we don't really count those people as important unless they can do something for us. Now, that may or may not resonate with you and where you live or where you work, but it truly was the opinion. Equality was not something in the language uh, uh, of everyday conversation. It, it just wasn't. And that's the way it is probably in most places on the planet, except for one. The one place on the planet where the stature of one human being, regardless of where they are at on the organizational chart of humanity, is equal to any other human being. Now, can you imagine that? That there is a vision for humanity that says, in the eyes of the Lord, there is no difference other than role and responsibility. But at the end of the day, not one person is actually in a position where they say, I'm a better human being than you are. Now, what happens when you try to relate to other people where one says, I'm a better human being than you are? How does that work? Does that work pretty good? You got any friendships like that? Know anybody who thinks that they're better than you are? I, <laughs> just think of my... I better be, I'm not going to say it. My redneck nephews, a lot of times it's about who you think you're better than me. You know, they'll, they'll say that a lot. And I kind of get it, but I also know that the only basis for us to be able to see other people as important and valuable is not the business world, it's not in government, it's not in the power circles like in the description from Jesus' day, but is in the kingdom. Paul says in Galatians uh, 3.23 or 3.28, I can't remember, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but all are one humanity in Christ, in Christ. You see, it's only when Christ is at the center that this thing works. Yet there are two people that have been following Jesus for a while and paying attention, taking careful notes, saying, hey, in your organizational chart, there'll be you, and hopefully there'll be us, and then there'll be, you know, the other people. We want to be those people that are like, you know, underneath you. And Jesus is just like, you hear that sound, guys? We're at the rumble strip again. You guys are missing it, and you need to pay attention. You're not getting it. And sometimes we don't pay attention, partly because we don't know how. We don't really know how to tune in. And again, the place to begin is by asking God, God, I don't even know how to tune in. I have to depend on you for even that. 
my prayer to you, God, is help me to tune in and trust in faith that you can show me the way. At the very basic level of our walk with him, it is just always a step of dependence that we're trusting Jesus along the way. I mean, when I was a kid, I had a, a learning disability. It was so bad that all my classmates got ahead of me, and my mom had to basically take me aside and spend a lot of time teaching me how to read. And I just don't know where I'd be, honestly, without her. And then I got to where, you know, I enjoyed reading. But then as I got older, I'm like, I'm not interested in reading. I just like doing. And then when I became a Christian, I'm like, oh, man, I got to read. Got to read the Bible. And then I had a lot of questions, a lot of questions, because I, I was 19 and I didn't go to church, so I was playing catch-up. And so I started having to read books, and I'm like, this is hard. And then my pastor sends me to Bible college, and he says, if you want to learn more about the Lord, that's the place to go, because I'm getting worn down by all your questions. And so I went there, and lo and behold, God somehow, in the midst of all of that, said, yeah, your speedometer's been saying about 15 on your readometer, but we're going to take it up to about 85. And it was amazing how God enabled something in me that I never saw coming. I mean, I, I, some of you know this. I flunked public speaking in high school, had to take it over because I'm like, I'll never need that. And typing, I'm like, I'll never need that. Holy cow. God has just got such a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? But when he calls us to do something, it is a calling from him that we're listening to. And when he calls us, he also says, I will enable you. And Jesus is looking at the 12, and he's saying, man, it's certainly three steps forward and two back with these guys. So we'll finish out the quote. There's a lot more to be said about it next week. But here he is. He says, knowing their thoughts, he took a little child and had him stand behind him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name, in my name, remember, in my name, welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is the least among you who is the greatest. Essentially, look at the stature of the child. Look at your longings to be at the top of the organizational chart. And just listen very carefully to what I'm saying. This is what I'm doing. Because truth be told, all these people, yourself included, were designed created and activated as a human being by God, made in his image and his likeness. And there's an older story that you may not be familiar with, and that is, I actually designed this planet and everything in its own way according to its kind, and in the last signature design hallmark that I placed on this planet was you, I said, you are in charge of it all. But even in that story, there was a rumble strip, 
And then there was a going off the, off the, the road completely, following another course altogether. And Jesus has been in the business of reclaiming that which has been lost, of reengaging us with our Creator, and knowing that it is only through a Savior who has to do the unthinkable, die. The Son of Man has to die on a cross so that that curse can be broken and that pathway can be restored. But once and always, the rumble strip will always be there. But some people, they really don't even need it much anymore because they've kind of figured it out. That when I'm at the center, this works. When I'm not at the center, well, you're kind of on your own. So here's the three takeaways that I have from this experience together. The first one is, in order to be effective in kingdom work, you must depend upon God at every step. And I'm not just talking about coming to church and doing church things. I'm talking about even in discipling our children when we pray with them at night or going to work and dealing with conflicts at work. That's all kingdom work. Because you say in those situations, as you learn the process of how it works, Lord, I am depending on you. Please help me. And I'm trusting you, Lord, to help me with this situation. And God will say to us, you hear that? And we'll say, hear what? No rumble strips. You're on the right path. Second takeaway from this is, am I paying attention to the rumble strips that God has placed in my life? Now, your rumble strip could be, just I'll just very quickly flesh it out a little bit. It could be this. It could be, I am experiencing a health problem, and I, and I, I knew it a long time ago. I got indicators that this is a thing. And I'm not, I'm not making reference to anything in this room that was, has been mentioned earlier. I'm just saying that sometimes we kind of know because the rumble strips have been rumbling that we should have taken care of something. Or maybe I'm in a financial situation that I knew there were rumble strips saying, you need to pay attention. Or maybe I'm in a relational situation and the rumble strips are starting to to really reverberate, and I knew this thing was going south a long time ago, but I wasn't paying attention. And sometimes it's with the Lord. Lord, I knew that taking time off from church was a rumble strip. I knew that saying, I, I don't want to serve anymore, I don't want to do anything for you anymore, that's a rumble strip. I knew that my attitude perhaps was not what it needed to be. That's a rumble strip. And rumble strips have a way of humiliating us just enough to make us aware that we're off course. And you can put in whatever, whatever your rumble strip is that you've been ignoring. Some of you, it's like the red dot on your dash saying, uh, your check engine light is on. 
and you just say, do we have any duct tape, honey? I just want to put that over there because I'm tired of looking at that, only to find yourself on the side of the road. Well, here's the last one, and it's this. Who has God placed in your life that you can give to and receive from? I haven't, haven't really delved into this point too much, but I want to kind of plant the seed because there are people along the way that God brings into our lives and even out of our lives. It could be for a day. It could be for a brief season. It could be for a long season. It could be for your whole life. And what God is doing is he's saying that I am using that person just like I use my word and I use the Holy Spirit to nudge you in a certain way, I truly believe that where you are at in life, there are people that God has put into your path that are there for a reason. They are there to show you something in your life that God is working on. That's the way it works. My son called me the other day and he said, Dad, I prayed for patience, and I said underneath my breath, that's a rookie mistake, uh, because he said, and then the day just went south. I said, yeah, that's kind of how it works. God doesn't just zap you. He says, I will enable you through a process of experiencing something that will require it. And when it does, you have two options. One is you can say, God, why did you do this? Or you can say, God, only you can help me through this. And God will say, that's the right answer. We're going to explore this point again. So if you didn't get it, it's going to show up. But my hope is that when you came into this room, God placed people around you for the purpose in this moment to kind of nudge you towards him. Not just me and my role as a pastor here, but perhaps the person you're sitting next to or a person you talked to this morning. God doesn't waste any opportunities to do his good work through his word, through his spirit, and through his people. The question is, are you listening? And I hope that if you are, <clears throat> then you avoid the rumble strip and you move forward in the thing that you need to do. It might be that I need to dedicate my life to the Lord and put him at the center, not, not my Dodge Challenger or not my whatever. I need to get baptized so that I can begin the journey in earnest. I need to surrender my life to him. I need to serve. I need to find a path for doing things that will allow him to work through me for others. And so I just want to call you to that place. And if you need help in any of those steps, it's why I'm here. It's why our elders are here. Or anybody who looks like they know what they're doing. We would be more than happy to have that conversation with you. Would you bow with me? Our Father, as we end the word, as it's been shared with us and our time with it,
Lord, we pray that there would be fruit that could come out of it. Pray that as we gather in this room in a season where we're just starting to re-engage, I just pray that the path that is unfolding in front of us is one that we can be true to as a church, as a person, as a follower of you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that within this room, every person would leave here with a sense that we need our Lord Jesus to be at the center of our home, of our lives, of the year that's about to unfold for school. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you honor that as we depend on you in faith. Just help us to listen this week and pay attention to what you've put in our path and the people that you've brought alongside us, the things that they have to say as they're faithful to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. message. We thank you for being the same, the same God that called the disciples, that called us to this table. And Father, as we, um, as we look down and we see these simple emblems of the bread and the cup, we just pray that Bloodshed. We are also reminded of our sins washed away. And Lord, as we take them, we just ask that it bless into our bodies. Keep us strong and help us to go out, go forth for you. In your son's name we pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you for what you accomplish for us. May you accomplish us with it, that we would be yours, and that our greatest peace would be belonging to you. Our greatest joy would be having each other in our possession. We have you, you have us. And help us to walk hand in hand with our Father, our big brother, leading us along the way, spirit indwelled within us. Help us to cross this bridge. It's a bridge you bring us across. We don't cross it in ourselves. Help us to take your hand in childlike faith. Love what you love. Love who you love. How you love. Turn from that which isn't in that love. Help us, my Lord. Our Lord. Our only Lord. For your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll see you again soon. There's a meeting after here. If you'd like to.